This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Tonight we're learning Le'ili Nishmas, very special person. Let me get it, let me get it, let me get it. We are learning Le'ili Nishmas, Rafael Uriah. Ben Nechemia Aryeh Leib Peretz Halevi. Um, the Baver family in Chicago, it's Barak's brother, um, who was Nifter, young. So again, they're, they're sitting Shiva right now. So I told them that tonight's Shiva would be before Shalema for Rafal Uriah Ben Nechemia Aryeh Leib Peretz Halevi. Okay. So. We're going to learn a lot of stuff tonight. Mitzvah, a lot of good things. Parsha, Pesach. But before we do that, there's a subject that I'd like to talk about, which I think is important to many people who are listening. I'm not a therapist, um, professional. I don't have letters after my name. Um, but I think that, you know... You work with kids for a very long time. You work with people, a lot of people, for a very long time. I, I think that as Jewish therapists, the, the Jewish therapist, you know, some guy made a comment after I spoke on Tisha B'Av, Some rabbi made a comment, and he said he shouldn't speak about these things. He's not a professional. I don't know what that means. What's a professional? There's a professional of caring about other people. There's a professional of helping other people. Moshe Rabbeinu was a professional, or was he not a professional? Is Rav Chaim Kainetsky a professional? Is Rav Gamliel a professional? These are all people that people go for help. I'm not saying I'm them, but are you, are you discounting all the tzaddikim and gedolim who give advice because they're not a professional? Because they didn't go to school and learn Freud, who was a mushchis, and all the mushchasim and all the liberals and all the twisted things that they, that they, that they tell kids in, 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 in rehabs and other places that are totally anti so I think we need to get that out of our, our head. Yes, yes, it's like a doctor, and, and you need to go to a therapist, and the therapist better have a license. There's nothing to talk about. But a from therapist that has a license can't discount all the Torah that they're learning and all the Sifri Musar and, 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 and all the Hashkafa and all the different form on how to think and how to treat and how to act. And, you know, so I, I don't know what that comment was all about. I don't know where it came from. So I, I'm just going to speak from something that I've been dealing with for a long time and, and experience and not everybody has to agree with me. So, so I deal with a lot of trauma. Um, a lot of kids have been abused in many different ways. People, not only kids. Um, and people who go through stuff. And there's something very fascinating. One of the reactions to trauma or going through things is that it, you're, in, you're in pain but it also segregates you from everyone else and it makes you feel very alone because if I'm in pain and I'm going through something no one else in the world can feel my pain and let's just think it's ridiculous anyone who says I feel your pain it's ridiculous if I sit here and there's thousands of people watching. And I take a needle. And I stick it in my finger. It's going to hurt me very much. 
Is it going to hurt all the people that are watching? Is their finger going to hurt? No. So, they can feel or understand that I'm in pain. But their finger doesn't hurt. Now, let's say someone's sitting there and they're like, Wallstein, I want to feel your pain. So you tell me when you're going to stick that needle into your finger, I'm going to stick a needle into my finger at the same time. Does that person feel my pain? No, that person feels his pain, which he thinks is exactly like my pain. He can't feel ever, no one ever can feel another person's pain. So if the rest of the world cannot feel my pain, that segregates me from the rest of the world. And I become very lonely and I go into a place that I'm all by myself because the rest of the world doesn't understand what I'm going through. Because even if they're going through this, and, and okay, let's say that guy sticks a needle in his finger. Is he in the same pain that I am? Is his level of pain threshold the same? Is his finger as soft as mine? Or maybe he works out and his finger's not so soft. Everyone's, right, everyone's feelings are different. So one of the terrible side effects of trauma or going through anything or someone comes from dying or whatever in your family or whatever it is, is that you become very lonely. Now, to a young kid, if it happens, God forbid that they go through some type of abuse, so they sit in their class and they look around the room and they're like, you guys have no idea what I just went through. No one in this room understands me. No one understands what I feel. And the worst thing a therapist can tell someone is, I understand how you feel. That is the worst, most hurtful comment that you could tell someone in pain. Because you do not know how I feel. You cannot know how I feel. So you become extremely lonely. And that loneliness leads to depression. And that depression leads to I don't want to feel alone so I'll go smoke pot with a bunch of other people and then I won't be alone because when I smoke pot or I do drugs or I get drunk or I go into alcohol or whatever it is then I don't feel my pain the pain is what makes me feel lonely remove the pain I'm no longer lonely this is amazing and that's many times what leads people to do things that will take away their pain momentarily and in the end they go way off the de- way off just way off not only saying the derech but why am I telling you this and the answer is there is someone in this world who can actually feel your pain but it's not a human being it's a Kodesh Baruch because if you learn, you will know that you are part of him. So when you stick the needle into your finger, you are sticking the needle into his finger. So I have found in the last 38 years that the people who have God don't feel alone. If they don't feel alone, 
they don't need the anesthesia to be with other people by getting themselves drugged up. They don't have that need because there is someone in this world who feels my pain and therefore I am not alone. And if I am not alone and I don't have that feeling, then I am not going to do things that are going to hurt me, which will put me in a place that I don't feel alone anymore. Wallstein, why are you telling us this tonight? And the answer is, talk about psychology, talk about Chumash, talk about the Torah. <coughs> the greatest psychologist, interesting that Hashem doesn't have any letters after his name. It's not like there's no letters, even though he's a great, even though he's a top psychologist in the world. Um, Hashem understood that. How do you know Hashem understood that? This has to do with Pesach. Hashem said in Mitzrayim you're going into Gullus I am going into Gullus with you even though you're a nation that's going to become slaves and be beaten you will never be alone you will never have that feeling that you are alone I am with you in Mitzrayim and the Shekhinah when the Beit HaMidosh was destroyed, HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, the Shekhinah will not go to Shemayim. The Shekhinah will be by the Kaisal. As the Gemara says, the place that the Shekhinah never leaves is the Kaisal. Why is it the Shekhinah in Shemayim? And the answer is because I am with you in your tzara. I will never let you have the feeling that you are in pain and no one understands it and nobody feels it and you're in this very lonely place because I am part of you, you are part of me and if you kill a Jew, you hurt a Jew or you stick a needle into a Jewish kid's finger or whatever pain that a Jew has, I feel it. And therefore, the people who are close to Hashem and have Hashem in their life do not get depressed. Do not get depressed. Do not feel alone. When they went, the Mraglim went, it says by Kalab and Yifuna that a Ruach went with him. Yoshua had the bracha of Moshe Rabbeinu to go with him. He wasn't alone. He had his Rebbe. Kalab and Yifuna had a Ruach that went with him. He wasn't alone. And the reason I'm telling you this is because I met with a girl this week and this was my discussion with her. And she she went through sexual abuse, and she's sitting in high school, and this happened to her when she was a young girl, and she's looking around the room, and she's like, no one in this room understands my pain, and therefore, there's a lot of noise around me, a lot of people talking to each other around me, but I am alone, Rabbi Wallerstein, I am alone in my world. And I want to crawl into my bed and close my door. I want to be alone because I'm alone anyway. I'm in pain. I'm alone. I said, you're not alone. You're never alone. A Jew is never alone. God is with you. Maybe that's why 12 Steps has a higher power. I, I don't know. I don't know 12 Steps that well. Maybe that's the reason they have it. I don't know. That, the, that your person should never feel alone. That's the difference. The difference is the ones who feel alone... 
They go off. They go into places they shouldn't go. The ones that feel they're never alone, they don't have that feeling like no one understands me. Hashem understands me. Hashem loves me. Hashem knows I'm in pain. He feels my pain. And he does. And he does. He feels your pain. And I said to you, that's the problem. The girls that are not connected to Hashem and, you know... I'm not going to rag on our chinuch, but, but, but I'm ragging on our chinuch because, because the most important thing you need to give a Jewish child is that they should know that they're never alone, that, they, that there's a Hashem. And he's always there with you. We don't teach him that. We teach him subject, 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 subject. But that a 10th grader can sit in my office and say, I'm alone. I'm sitting there in my world alone and all the girls are talking about Shidduchim and other things. Shidduch, what are you talking about? You know what kind of pain I'm in? You know what someone did to me? So all she hears is buzz, buzz, noise, noise. I want that one out. I want to get out of here. I'm alone. Begapa Yava, Begapa Yetzai. I came into the world alone. I want to get out of the world alone. I'm like, you're not alone. If you think like that, you're right. That's, that's, that's going to drive you to the most terrible place in the world. You're not alone. And that's why I'm bringing this up tonight. Because the whole Pesach, the whole Seder, the whole thing is that Hashem was in Mitzrayim. He was watching us every single minute in the trial. And it says very befairish that he went into Gullus with us. And he went into Gullus with trying with us. And he told the Malachim, the Malach, I am there with them, not you, not someone else, not a therapist, not a messenger. No, I am with you with Torah. I feel your Torah. Jewish nation, you're not alone. But Nitzakal Hashem, Hashem said, You're not alone. I am here. And I think that if if people would work on their connection to God much more, it would ease so much of their pain, of the loneliness. It would ease so much of the loneliness. I want to say over a word from the Lubavitcher Rebbe that I saw when I was in Florida on Pasha Titzava. He says something Nairidic. He says that <coughs> we know that in Pasha Titzava, Hashem's name is not mentioned, right? I mean, Moshe Rabbeinu's name is not mentioned. Why is Moshe Rabbeinu's name not mentioned? Because he said, He said, erase me. Right? If you, if you want to erase the Jews, so a little bit chutzpahdik, but he said it. You want to erase the Jews, you're erasing me with them. It's all or nothing. So, because he said that, one parasha in the Torah from when he was born, Right? He's erased from Asl Baba Chereva, it doesn't make any sense. He went ahead, he put his whole life on the line for Klaistro, Zutar Zeus Khaira, so you erased me from a parsha? Just the opposite, you should have added a parsha to the Torah with my name in it. I was I sacrificed who I am, everything that I am, for the Jews. So you're punishing me? You're saying Tzadi Gaza? You should have you should have made an extra parsha called Moshe. Robert Trevor says something amazing. He says a name, the person's name is who you are, right? It's your essence. How do we know that? Because all the names that were given, right? Yitzchak, because she laughed. Yaakov, because he held on to the Akev. Ruven, Kiratius, Oni. Yehuda, the Torah tells you every time there's a name, why that name was named. So, <coughs> your name is Yeshayrish. Moshe Rabbeinu's name, Moshe Rabbeinu's name, right? So, it was, his, his Hebrew name was Tuvia, because he was born with a light and a brismila. So when she saw Kitaiv, that he was Taiv, so she named him Tuvia, right? 
Hashem said no we're changing his name we're going to give him an Egyptian name and that name is Moshe why? because at the end of the day she she dragged him out of the water so she put in the essence of Moshe Rabbeinu's name she put into the essence of his name that even if you can't reach something right put your hand out you do your best Hashem will do the rest and as a leader of Klai Yisrael, he needed to do that. Because he's doing makis and splitting the yamsuf and all this. Your job is to put your hand out. And that's by every maki, put his hand out. Or he hit, or he hit. So that was his job. So that was Kimina Mishisihu. That was his name. His name was Moshe. Says the Rebbe that it's just the opposite. This is much bigger. He says, because a name is finite. Your name is Zechariah, Zachar Hashem. Your name is finite about what, who you are and what you can do. His name was Kimenamayimishisihu. But now he went ahead and he put his whole life on the line and he said, wipe out my name from the Torah. Kurbohu said, that's way above what your name is. Your name is to put your hand out. If you can't reach something, you put your hand out, Hashem will help you. But that's what Bayi did. But Bayi didn't jump into the Nile, put her life on the line to say, Moshe, that's not his name. But now he went above his name because he went ahead and said, wipe me out of the whole Torah. I don't exist. I don't exist. The Jews don't exist. I don't exist. That's much bigger than the name Moshe. So the first word in the parasha is vi'ata. The first word is vi'ata. Vi'ata is you. It doesn't have, is there like some odor in here or something? You smell something? It's like burning my throat. They do the flow with something? I don't know. You don't feel anything? Do you feel anything? Just hot? Huh? You think it's just nasty? So just open that back door. Got a chair there. Get some air. Maybe they did the force tonight or something. Okay, whatever it is. If we have air, we have air. Put two chairs. Put two chairs. Yeah. Put two chairs there. Good, excellent. So, so you understand what I'm saying? So, so he was called. He was called Ba'ata. Ba'ata is not a name. It's you. That's infinite. So, because he was willing to give up his whole life for Christ, well. He's no longer constricted. He's not finite under the name Moshe. He's infinite. So his name is in the in this week's parsha. Not only it's in this week's parsha, but it's the first word ba'ata in this week's parsha. Baba Chereva. Okay. Which parsha? Parsha Tzava. Parsha Tzava. The one you have beautiful words. I can put it on the after after the share. Uh, you can't do that. It doesn't work that way. Okay. Um, it is a praise. It is a praise because the Atra is bigger than Moshe. I'm just saying. It's, I'm not saying the Balatur. I'm, I'm saying the Baba Chereva. I'm saying it from the Baba Chereva. Now, um, in last week's Pasha, this is also unbelievable, in Pasha's Kisisa. So it says that Hashem 
had to show him a machzitz shekel of fire. Yeah, remember learning that? Hashem had to show him a machzitz shekel of fire. So the question is, you know, yeah, zei knew heraloi kimin my beishel ace. He showed him a bay of ash, and he said, "That's what you should do." So the question is, he, he doesn't know what a coin looks like. Hashem to show him a bay of ash. Hashem to bring machzal shekel. What was his what was his problem, and why did he show him my bay of ash? So the answer is as follows: There are four elements in the world: fire, water. Air, ground, um, earth. The highest of the four elements is fire. Why? Because the sun is above the earth. The second is the wind. The wind blows across the earth, right? You have the sun, and you have air, and then you have water, which is sea level, right? And then you have ground, which is underneath. Metal, Silver that you make the machzitz shekel from is mined. It's ore. It's mined from underneath the ground. So it's on the lowest level. Fire's on the highest level. Moshe did not understand. Fire in physics, fire is the one thing that defies the first theory of physics, which is the theory of displacement. The theory of displacement means that if I have a whole cup of water and I want to fill up this cup with half of that, It's half of it's displaced. I'm only going to have a half here. You have a handful of sand, and you want to take half of it and put it somewhere else, then you're going to take away half. It's not going to be a hole anymore. It's going to be a half. The theory of displacement, it's a partial theory. The only thing that goes against the theory of displacement is fire. Because fire, you can light from one candle, a thousand candles, and the first candle didn't lose anything. Fire is the one element in Earth that fights all the physics. Metal, you drop it, is one of the fastest things that falls, gravity, to the Earth. Fire goes up. You turn the candle over, it goes up. So, Hushabbeinu could not understand how is it possible for the lowest element, which is silver, which is coming out of the ground, Right? To be, to get, to have the same physical presence as fire, that it doesn't have displacement. If I have a shekel and I give you half, I only have half. Which means I don't say what you're saying, Hashem. Hashem's saying that a mabea is the same, it can be, can be like age, but it's not, can't be like age. Age doesn't have the fear of displacement. My bear does. You give away, if I have two and I give one, I only have one. So the terrace is, Hashem had to show him, well, the only time, it's beautiful shot, well, the only time that metal, which is the lowest of the elements, can have the same physics as fire, is when you give tzedakah. Because if you have $10, and you give away five dollars to tzedakah. First of all, you didn't lose anything because it says Hashem will give it back to you. But at a higher, much higher level, those five dollars that you gave away 
of the only five dollars that you have. Because the other five dollars you could die the next second, it's not yours. The money that you give to tzedakah is yours. The money that is yours is not yours. How do you know it's not yours? Because if you could take me away from the money, then I then I it's not mine. So if a person dies, all that money is not his. So the money that you have is the money that you give away. That's my beya shalish. Hashem said, my beya tzedakah has the same elements as fire. And that's why Hashem had to show him a Mabeya of Eish. Because a regular Mabeya would not have taught him that a Mabeya has the same element as fire. <coughs> so he showed him a Mabeya shall Eish. And it's, that's true. What you give away for tzedakah in your life is what's yours. What you have in the bank, that's not yours. Until you give it away. It's not yours until you give it away to tzedakah. Then nobody can take it away from you. While you have it to buy, it can be robbed, you can lose it in an investment, it, it, it can be taken away from you. But once you give that man tzedakah, nobody can ever take that away from you. Unless you have, you feel bad that you gave him tzedakah. Well, otherwise, you can't take it away from you. Not your dick? That's not your dick. Okay. Now, some Pesach stories. From my favorite, Eitzah Place. Eitzah Place, this is definitely up there with our, with our, this, these two stories are up there with our werewolf. Way, way up there. He says the following. By the way, one of them is a chida. He says the following. This is very important for, for Pesach. He says the following. Chida, in his parish, Simchas Haregel, Al Haggadah Shal Pesach. I have to get this. The chida has a, a parish on Haggadah Shal Pesach. Vagoyim Rabbi Shal Yaakov Al Ghazi. In his sefer Shalmi Chagiga, and Rav Yosi Shabbati Parchi, in his sefer Oisepela, and he brings a story that happened in Yerushalayim in the days of Rabbeinu Kleinimus, Rabbeinu Kleinimus, Ayin Aleph, in the Sifrei Todos in Yisrael. When did he live? He was the father-in-law of the Maharshal. Okay. He says the following story. One time, because they used to have these blood libels, right? They used to have these blood libels. So they used to kill kids and then fill up a bottle with their blood and say that the Jews did it and they, that's what they drink on Pesach, right? Like we're vampires. So they killed, they killed the Yishmaeli. And it was the child of the governor of Yushalayim, an Arab, of the, he was the governor of Yushalayim, they killed his kid. They took the body and they threw it in the courtyard of the shul. In order to start a, a blood libel, but the Jews killed him. When the Jews found his body, it's full of blood in the, in the courtyard of the Beis HaKnesses. And when the governor found out about this, he became, of course, very angry. They killed his kid. And he called together all the wise men of Yishalayim. And he said, uh, You need to find out which Jew did this. And you have to kill him. If you're not going to tell me who killed my son, 
I will take total revenge on you guys. The Chacham heard this. The faces turned black. Everybody was depressed. Amongst the Jews, there was a very holy man. He said to his heart, Now is not a time to hide what I know. To take a look at Ketikas Nair, he took a piece of paper, Uksibal of Shema Kadash, and he wrote a very holy name on it. The Dibek Hanab and Metzach Harag, and he stuck the paper onto the forehead of the child that was killed. The takeoff immediately, Kam Hanar Chai, the dead boy stood up. The Omar Araglov stood up on his feet, Upasak Piv, and opened his mouth. The Sipal of him, and he told the governor, what happened to him? The Herod Be'etzpo, he pointed with his finger to the Yishma'eli who killed him. And then he fell, and he was dead. And they were saved, and it was a nace. They call him Rav Kleinimus Balanes. The day that he wrote this Kamea was Shabbos Kodesh. They let him write it. But because of the talent that he was, even though he saved the Jews, he felt that he was Mechal Shabbos. You're about to find out something that people have asked me, and everyone who's listening, you're going to find out a minute that nobody knows the reason why. And here comes the reason why. He wrote in his will, for a hundred years after he's dead, anyone who comes to his grave, should throw a stone at it. Now we all know there's a minute to put a stone on the cavern when you go to visit it. That's where it comes from. And I was told about this a long time ago. And then they, they actually stoned his grave. And then that minog happened that, that there was, there's a pile of stones there. And then people started to just put stones on graves. But really, it came from a very not good place. Because he said, as it says here, listen, throw a stone at it. Because he felt he deserved skila. Because he was, even though he was Shabbos to save the Jews, they should stone him after he's dead. The people of Yushalayim did exactly what he said. Until his, on his uh, grave was a huge pile of stones. He's what? Yes. And he says, it's a shagula yidua. Hear this, guys? They, put, they, 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 they wash the floor with something that's causing the cough. It's from the bleach. They, they wash the floor. My eyes are burning also. They wash the floor. It must be with bleach or something. Some kind of chemical. Listen to this. There's a huge school. If you take off a stone from his grave and you carry it in your pocket, you're not so going wrong. When you go on the way, You'll be protected from diseases and, and robbers. And you're guaranteed to come home alive.
What? I can't go there, but they could go get me one. Oh, what do you say, guys? Huh? Right, that's what people think. That's not where it comes from. I, I was told about this place that they stoned, the, they, they threw stones at the camera, and that, that's where that's when it started. What? It's a simon of skila. That's what he said. He said, even though I saved them, imagine, even though I saved them, that's what he wanted. Okay. Um, what else did I want to talk about? I want to talk about, oh, I know what I want to talk about. Okay. So they're just, they're burning. It's not, um, okay. Um, so there's a young woman who's in a coma. And everybody's saying to Helen first, she, she, she was in the middle of giving birth and she went into a coma. Her name is Miriam Chaya Batsbracha. She needs a big before Shalema. So I spoke in Lakewood this week. She's on every machine. Because she was, she didn't have oxygen to the brain for a very long time. So I, I spoke by the girls. And, you know, you always want to come home, you want to give them something to do. So I told them, and this is very true, that I was in the hospital visiting someone, I'm not going to get into who it was, whatever it was, and a person had a respirator and their hands were tied down, and everything was, there was pipes coming out of everywhere. And I remember I went to visit, and you might could hardly see the person. And when I came out of the hospital... I don't know if many of you have seen The Wizard of Oz, but when they, t- when she, when they cut down the scarecrow, right, he, he started moving his hands, and then he started moving his head, and he started moving his feet, and he started dancing, right? And Mamish felt, when I came out of the hospital, that this person can't move anything, and I'm, I'm free. I'm not connected. I'm not a puppet. I'm not, no strings, no pipes. No, 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 no handcuffs, not tied down to anything. I can move, I can walk. I never appreciated that. I'm, I'm not connected to anything. Human beings are not supposed to be connected to anything. We're not plants. We're not connected to the ground. If you're connected to machines, there's something wrong. So I was like, wow, Hashem, thank you so much. I remember that feeling. Thank you so much. Ah, like the scarecrow. I was, you know, I don't know if you ever watched it, but I was dancing like, you know, free. I'm free. That's what he screams. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. I'm, I, but you don't appreciate it because, like, that's right when you walk out of the hospital, and ten minutes later, you're you don't remember what you saw. So, I said to the girls, and I'm, I'm saying it to everyone who's watching. I think it would be a very good thing, first of all, as Rufus Shalema for for Miriam Chaya Bas Bracha, that you should say the bracha, your brachas in the morning with kavana, and when you say your brachas. Someone should be next to you to say amen to all your brachas. And then that person should say their brachas and you should say amen. Let's just take a look for a moment at the brachas that we make in the morning and, and how to appreciate it. Okay? So the first bracha is with thanking Hashem who gave Bina to a rooster right 
What does it have to do with me? You ever wonder about what, why am I in that bracha? Are you a rooster? Right? What's the, what's the bracha to a human being that, that Hashem gave the rooster, right? The, the male, um, and the word that's used is bina. Not really bina because it's it's a rooster has has instinct. So I the way I learned it is first of all it's a kalvachayma. If a rooster has bina and he's a chicken. I surely have Bina. So I want to learn a little bit deeper than that. He knows the difference between day and night. I have the Bina to know the difference between right and wrong. Wrong and right. Dark and light. So I'm getting up in the morning because you need your Bina a whole day. And you need to know the difference between right and wrong. So if you gave the Bina to a rooster because the rooster crows way before the sun comes up. Way before. He knows. Right? Who's the smart person? The one who sees what's going to be. He, he knows what's coming. It's not light yet. He has the bina to understand that at this point, maybe it's the morning stars out. I don't know exactly how the rooster knows it, but I do know that it's brought down in Kabbalah that there's a malach that comes and hits it on its crown. And that's when it that's when it it, it it crows, and the crown turns a different color. I once learned that. If you watch it, the the crown turns a different color. The malach sort of wakes it up. Huh? Who said it? That's a joke. Of course, it's a joke. Why the roost? Why the roost across the road? Because the malach said it. Very good. It's a new answer. Baruch Hashem guy. I have a whole day, I got up, I'm a Jew, I have a whole day of collecting mitzvahs. Person's laying in the hospital on tubes. What mitzvahs can they do? In a coma. She's in a coma. So I said to the girl, You're not a guy! I said to the girls, You could, you could do mitzvahs a whole day! You're not laying in a bed, stuck, you can't do anything. You can't open your mouth, you can't dive, and you can't do anything. So you're not a guy. You have a, you have something to do today. You have six hundred and thirteen mitzvahs. Shalayasani Ovet. You gave me the power to say no. A slave, the freedom is the ability to say no. A slave can never say no. He always has to say yes. Thank you, Hashem. I have the power to say no. So I said to the girls at the end of the day before you go to sleep, did you use that power? Did you say no? Did you say yes to everything? Yes to all the food, yes to all the movies, yes to everything. Or did you use the power that I'm not an Eved, and if I'm not an Eved, I have the power to say no. I'm not an Eved to the Sahara. Did you use your veto power? How many times today did you use your veto power? The Sahara voted to do it over there, and you say, I veto it, like the UN. I'm vetoing it. So, how much will you sign the Shasani Kitsona, I explained to them as the biggest bracha, a man can't make that bracha, a chayim can't make that bracha. To be the will of Hashem, a woman is a protector and a creator and a nurturer, and that's what Hashem is. We make a bracha, Shalai Sani Isha, that if I was a woman, I wouldn't be able to put on tefillin or wear tzitzis or keep all the mistress as my grandma. So thank you very much, Akkadish Baruch, that I'm not a woman. But if you're 
putting on, if you don't put on your children, you're not wearing scissors, you're not keeping mitzvahs among well, you might as well be a woman. The reason you're saying Hashem, you're not a woman, is because you have mitzvahs that they don't have. But if you don't keep those mitzvahs, you might as well be a woman. You're worse than a woman. The woman at least is created physically to nurture and to create and to, to protect. You're not even a woman. You're not a man, you're not a woman. What are you? The big one, of course, is Bekechirim. She's in a coma. She doesn't see, Miriam Chaya doesn't see light. She doesn't see colors. She doesn't see faces. She doesn't see flowers. She doesn't see clouds. She's in darkness. Bekechirim. Wow. Close your eyes when you make that bracha. I told the Rebbe in Eretz Yisrael, tell the whole class, when they make the Bekechirim, they should close their eyes. And when they say the bracha Bekechirim, they should open their eyes. And you'll see, you go from darkness, and all of a sudden you can see colors and things, you'll appreciate it much more. You ready for this one? Thank you for, for dressing the unclothed. What am I, what, what's my bracha? Why am I making this bracha? Do I have clothing? A person, a person, who's in a hospital has no clothing you're in a hospital gown there's no colors there's no buttons there's no shirt there's no comfort there's no wool there's no linen it's a hospital gown there's no shopping there's no clothing it's the same hospital gown every day tie it behind your neck it's embarrassing the back is open it's not clothing that you can go to your closet in the morning and put on fresh underwear and put on fresh clothing and put on your shoes and socks and get dressed with a suit and a tie or whatever you're getting dressed in and you don't have to wear a hospital gown open in the back that has no colors or anything on it. That I could go to my closet this morning and I could put on my purple tie and I could see what I'm putting on. And this is, this is the bracha that I made. I've never, my bracha has changed since the day I walked out of that room. This bracha, this bracha of all brachas is the bracha I have kavana since I walked out of that guy's room. And that's matir asurim. I'm free. No tubes. Matir asurim. You free, you release the person's bounds. I'm free. I'm not tied to anything. You can walk after this chair. You can walk outside. You run down the street as fast as you want. No strings attached. No pipes attached. No chasvashom. Something down your throat to help you breathe. God forbid. Or, or even, I remember when I had my operation, even intravenous. It's in your arm, right? So you have to go to the bathroom. You have to shut that pole with you. Wherever you go, you're connected to this pole. And the greatest moment is when that nurse, when they say you, you can leave, and that nurse pulls that needle out of your arm and you are no longer connected. You're looking at it and you're like, I could leave without the intravenous pole. Go to the bathroom, shut the pole. Where you go? Mater Asurim is huge. You say that brach in the morning. Mater Asurim, thank you. I look, look Hashem, nothing. I'm not connected to anything. from. Oh my gosh! If you know someone with back pain, oh my gosh, the worst pain in the world is back pain. And you can't do surgery because it's on your, it's very hard, it's very dangerous because you're working with somebody's spine 
there are there are hundreds, thousands, millions maybe of people that go to pain management. They take shots in their spine, pain management, because their back is out, because they moved one of their what are they called discs. And you're saying, I'm getting up, I'm sitting down. How many times a day you do this? You get up and you sit down and your back bends and your back bends and your back bends and your back bends and you're not in pain. You don't even think about it. Like Davin, you sit down, you get up, you sit down, you get up. People are in pain, they can't even get out of their chair. They're afraid he lays on the floor. It has to be a flat floor. Can't sleep in a bed. Back is out for who knows how long. Zaykev Kafufim, when you make these brachas, someone should be standing next to you saying, Amen. Who spread out the earth upon the waters? Well, we uh, we went through uh, Sandy, so that we understand that bracha very well, right? Because the waters do not belong on the earth; the earth belongs on the water. When the waters are on the earth, that's when you have a tidal wave or a hurricane. Whatever I need, Hashem has given me. You wake up, you have food, you have water, you have sunlight, you have everything that you need, you have heat, you have air conditioning. I mean, today this bracha is so much bigger than, you know, they didn't used to have refrigerators and freezers and air conditionings. I remember when I was younger, I was once in B'nai Barak. It was like 120 degrees, with nowhere to go, so you had a fan, and the fan was blowing hot air. You were blowing hot air in your face. It was like, nowhere to go. Today, you go to shul, everywhere has air conditioning. Camps have air conditioning. Whatever you want. Refrigerators, the food stays for a week. Freezer, you have ice cream, and you couldn't have ice cream though. Two hundred years ago, there was no ice cream because there was nowhere to put it, nowhere to freeze it. Ice cream, everything. It's shalosli kol tzaki, whatever I need. I'm able to walk. That's huge. Never, this girl can't walk. And and if she comes out of a coma, Hashem should help her. If she comes out of a coma, it's going to take years to teach her how to walk. The rehabs. My my grandson broke his femur bone, whatever, on his thigh, and and they're teaching him back how to walk again. Able to walk. I remember I was when I had my operation on my knee. I was 16 years old. In those days, they didn't have arthroscopic surgery. They opened you up like a sardine can. There was no three little holes. And I was laying in bed. I remember in Muncie after my surgery in Nyack Hospital, and my my leg had to be a contraction. So I lay in my bed. My my leg was all the way up in a cast. And I remember my friends from Yeshiva, there was no elevator in that hospital. They came running up the steps. I could hear them running up the steps. I was like, they came running into my room. Hey, Zach, what's going on? I'm like, you guys don't know how lucky you are. I don't know if I'm going to ever walk. You just ran up the steps. And Taco, you know how many months it took me till I could run up steps after that operation? That you're able to just walk. You're not even thinking. You're like, let's go down and we all just get up and walk. The brain does it without without a process, without automatically. You have to appreciate all this. This girl has none of this. She has none of this. Of course, the gvura to exist through all the tragedies and crusades and 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 and, and all the all the stuff that we've gone through, the Holocaust and everything else. To give us the gvura, the strength to, to be able to continue. And of course, Aita Yisrael B'Sifara, who gives us this beauty, Kla Yisrael's beauty, which is a, an inner, very special, holy beauty that we don't see that we have, but we have it. 
And of course, the last brachas I recently have koyach. You gave me strength. I was sick last week. I came home from all my trips for two days. I was sick. I went strep culture. No. Uh, flu, no. I thought maybe it was Zika because I got bit by a mosquito and I killed him out, whatever, and I was in Florida. I don't know if it was or not, but whatever, I was really sick. And I just didn't have no strength. I had no strength. I, I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't think. I couldn't do all the people who were calling me for help. I couldn't help them. I couldn't do my business. I was, I had the flu-like, flu-like symptoms. I was like, I had no koyach. So thank you, Hashem, that he gives you koyach in the morning. Who moves sleeps through my eyes and slumber from my eyelids that I get up, I'm not depressed. I want to go put my head back in the bed. I want to go back to sleep. No. Hashem took all that away. He took that away from my eyes. He took that away from my body. I'm up. So, so these are all brachas that when you're a little kid in yeshiva, you make these brachas one by one. But as you get older, we go through brachas very, very, very fast. So I think that it would be a big skula and a big refur shalema for her. If we take on ourselves, whoever's watching, that at least brachas in the morning, we're going to say them slowly. Maybe every day concentrate on one, not on all of them. So every day you'll do a different one, and you go back. Well, Mati Asurim is like a crazy bracha. If you see someone in a hospital bed connected to the... You're free. It's like it's like crazy. I, I know I don't have the exact quote that Scarecrow said, but I remember he said something like, "I'm free, I'm free." He was dancing on the street, whatever. He was like, you know, not connected to anything. So I think that's very big. The only thing you let to be like we go back to the beginning of the year. The only thing you should be connected to is a Kaddish Baruch So I think that if we um, if we leave tonight and we take on to, to do these brachas and to have someone next to you saying Amen, and then they should make the brachas and you should say Amen. Then, then you won't have to Hashem ever be in a place where you cannot make the brachas, and um, um, we should all be able to be bigger than our names and have the koyach to take the most mundane, um, the most mundane things, which uh, we, in, we see that the the shekel. But you can do that with anything. You can take anything that's mundane. And you can make it ace, you can make it fire. And that's, that's our job in, our, in this world. Our job in this world is to take the physical and make it spiritual. And to go back to the beginning of the year, which I think is probably the most important piece of this year, is no matter what you're going through, one of the hardest things, side effects of what we go through, is that, that terrible, terrible loneliness that nobody understands me and nobody understands, nobody can feel what I'm going through and I'm so alone. So outside of the trauma, you're like re-traumatized. Because not only did I get hurt, but I feel so by myself. I feel so alone. Nobody understands it. And even, let's say, two people are divorced. Right? So like, this guy's divorced. He goes, I understand you. You're divorced and I'm divorced. We understand each other. No, you don't. This guy's sensitive. This guy's not so sensitive. This guy's divorce was very hard. This guy's divorce was very amiable. There's no two people. So the only one that shears your pain and shears your trauma and is there with you is the Kurdish Baruch Hu. And I really, it's really an important message, no matter what you're going through. If you know that God is with you, that loneliness, that terrible loneliness that, you know, everyone's in the room. You know, sometimes I know people, when I go to a wedding, I know what the Kala, I know her trauma. 
I know what she went through. Sometimes I know what the parents went through. And I'm standing there and everybody's dancing. Everybody's happy. And I'm like, if you people only knew what this person's going on inside of them and what's going on in the family. If you only knew how you can be at a wedding, be the kala, and be so alone. Because you have this secret, this pain, that everyone's dancing around you, but they don't share it with you. And that's, that's very hard. And if you know that everyone's dancing around me and they don't share it with me, but my God, who I'm part of, is sharing it with me, it's a different world, it's a different life. And that's what happened in Mitzrayim. Leading on to next week, Mitzvah Hashem, on Pesach Shir, who said, Ani, I am with you in your pain, in your gullus. And that's why it says that when, right, what did it say by Shmos when they went down? It says it. It says it. It says it. Ela. I think it's a Rashi, no? Ve'ela Shmos ben Israel. Abayim Mitzrayim. There's a certain pasuk where it says we learn from there that Kesh went down with them. So we should all be zayicheh that when we we leave when we leave this land that Kesh should be with us and we should see Mashiach. And it says that we're benching Rishchidosh Nisan and it says that in the month of Nisan we were redeemed in Mitzrayim and the month of Nisan will be redeemed. From the scholars, where we will be zeicher to see that You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.